Are you running out of euthanasia solution? What about other drugs and supplies? Are you reopening post-pandemic? And if so, what are some of the challenges you're confronting this week? That and a whole lot more on a special casual conversation on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And this week, we're going to take a step back and reflect on a lot of things that are happening in the veterinary world, including drug shortages, reopenings, and a whole lot more. But before we start our conversation, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, it's a holiday weekend when we're recording this. This is Memorial Day, which is celebrated in the United States, for those of you listening abroad. And we've got a special three-day weekend, which means that a lot of us are working kind of on holiday. Right, Becky? (laughs) I mean, if you want to call it work, hanging out with you is never. But Uh, I'm really glad we're taking a more relaxed conversation today because I really hope our colleagues are taking an opportunity out there if they have the day off or if they're having a long weekend to do just that. Yeah, it's it's true. It's been it's been a it's been a time, huh? I mean, really, for the past year and a half, uh, you know, we've we've really been overwhelmed with stressors uh, from pandemic, from curbside service. Uh, now, of course, the big news is we're running out of euthanasia solution, which uh, is putting a lot of us, you know, in some tight situations. We're still dealing with uh, employee shortages, you know, staffing shortages all across the country with extended wait periods. I mean, you know, Becky, as we sort of emerge from this pandemic, you know really, there's a lot of challenges that that are still ahead. I think there's a lot of challenges that are still ahead. And I think there's a lot that are still coming. I don't think we're ever going to come back the same. I don't think it's ever going to go back to normal, nor should it probably. But I think we're going to continually have to adjust and change and evolve. And we're learning that now, I think, more and faster than ever. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's hit the news, uh, most of us are aware of it, is the uh, pentobarbital shortage. Uh, certainly over the past couple of weeks, uh, many of us have been informed by our distributors that, hey, <laughs> you know, the stuff that you depend on uh, for euthanizing animals, uh, we're going to be in uh, short supply for the n- near future. So, Becky, what are you hearing out there among vet techs? How are they dealing with it? I mean, obviously, I know we're getting creative with using different drug combinations and so forth. But just what about these sudden shortages? It's kind of just just appear out of nowhere almost. Well, I think I think that's exactly it, right, is it's we're not prepared for it. And that's the point of this conversation today is to start to think about the things and inventory management differently. I know, like you said, there's been some creativity. I don't think I've seen anybody affected to the point where they're like, hey, we're out and we need it. But I have definitely seen concern between like offices. Hey, can we you know, definitely not swap control drugs because that would be illegal. Um, Hey, you know, what are you guys doing and trying to be prepared? I haven't heard from and I am the most concerned about our large animal teams. Yeah, that, that's a really good point because the large animal, I think, you know, we'd love to hear from you viewfinders that are in large animal or, or mixed animal practice. Uh, I, I'm like you, Becky. I haven't heard any of my colleagues say they haven't been able to perform euthanasia because of the shortage, but I think a, there's a lot of anxiety and stress right. that's, that's being generated right now because of the uncertainty. And, and getting back to the inventory management aspect, you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, do you keep a year's worth of 
of euthanasia solution right. in your clinic or, or you know I don't this is a tough one because we really have migrated towards a, a just-in-time sort of philosophy when it comes to inventory management, and yet here's a prime example of certain key drugs maybe that we need to have uh, ample supplies of. Right. I mean, it's sort of flipping what we've been trying to do, save money, do order just-in-time, save space, no reason to have all this inventory. In my, I mean, I can literally remember saying those words on this podcast in the last four years of, why have all that money sitting on your shelf? And now it's like you have to make a decision. And and the scary part to me is that what we seem to be running short on are the things that are most needed, one, or the two things that we probably don't want to stock in excess in our clinics, uh, control drugs, fatal plus, you know, um, euthanasia, I shouldn't brand name it, but right, right. tell a solution, uh, you know, but the things that we are probably – we have secondary concerns about just like keeping around are the things that seem to be those that are running out. And I, from a management and a personnel standpoint, am really conflicted there. Yeah, it's it's a this is a tough one, uh, viewfinders, because you know obviously euthanasia solution we we have to have it. Uh, I mean, obviously this is a part of our job, and to even have the threat, I think, of running out of it that that creates you know tr- terrible anxiety in me because you know that's just one of those things that wow it gets very difficult to solve that issue. You know, and Becky, you're right. It seems that you know lately they have it's been pain management. You know, it's been even anesthetics. We're now talking about euthanasia, uh, pentobarbital. So I, I think that those are areas that we need to probably rethink how we store them in our clinics. You know, what's the proper amount and how do we order that? Uh, the other thing, too, Becky, like, I guess, how do we stay better informed? Because this one sort of crept up on me. Like, I had heard that that maybe Fatal Plus was going to have some shortages, but that, that they would be able to, you know, accommodate us. And now suddenly it seems like it's a big deal. How do we stay abreast of, like, potential shortages or, or looming shortfalls on inventory? Well, you know those drug reps, you always roll your eyes when they come in and they want your time. Right. <laughs> and they're always offering pizza for education. Please start building a great relationship with those individuals because they are probably going to be the first ones to know about it. And they have more clinics than they can handle. And so the ones that they have the best relationships with that they're in talking to them are more than likely going to be in that daily rhetoric. So one, I think you really need to lean into the reps because they know what's going on, what's up and coming. Um, And two, I think we need to, you know... Mother Nature doesn't tell us we're having hurricanes, right? So we stay prepared regardless of what it looks like um, and how much notice we have. And so I think that that is what you really you really have to do is, one, try to stay on the up and up, stay involved in the group, stay involved with your reps, but also have your own contingency plans. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. You know, I actually, I had a vet reach out to me on social media. I had made a, a comment on a, on a post about, you know, this pentobarbital shortage. And they were like, you know, thank goodness for, and I'm not going to name the platform, but it starts with Insta. And you know, they were like, thank you for, for posting that because I had no idea, right? Yeah. So social media can also be maybe a weird way to find out about these things. But, you know, it, it is interesting sort of how people receive their information. And apparently, I think a lot of vets probably found out about this pentobarbital shortage maybe on social media. I know there were several memes, at least in my little network, floating around uh, the past few weeks. So, you know, again, social media might not be a bad way to get the message out. I think it's an important part of being 
in these groups, in, the, in these common interest groups, um, and like you said, keeping an ear to the ground, and it seems to be social media is one place we can really bang the drum and get the noise made the most quickly, and it's becoming default for people. There are a lot of listservs involved in, um, you know, management groups and certain associations where you may hear about these things as well, but I mean, there are so many useful fa for as much time as I spend just wasted on social media. <laughs> right. There are a lot of really effective groups out there. Um, we know like the not one more vets and support staff groups are doing amazing things. There's inventory management groups. There's um, support groups. So there is so much going on and so much conversation in there that I, I honestly think it's a great place to keep your ear to the ground just to what's going on. And I highly recommend podcasts such as this where we discuss <laughs> these topics as quick as we can hear them. But there's actually a lot of ways. It's, it's like more or less you've got to kind of tap the sources. You can't just be sitting in your office in your bubble overworked, overwhelmed and expect that these things are going to fall into your lap, unfortunately. Right, right. So again, viewfinders, if uh, if you are worried about this, you might want to stock up on some potassium chloride. <laughs> Just saying, you know, I, I don't know if that's, uh, but you know, we do need to make sure that we have, uh, as Becky mentioned, a contingency plan. And speaking of planning, Becky, I mean, a lot of us are going back to business. We're kind of opening up almost like in pre-pandemic days, if you will. I know there's still some changes that are out there, but by and large, Becky, a lot of vet clinics are kind of resuming normal office operations. I mean, that's what I'm hearing. I I, I have heard this too. Uh, my vet is not, we were up there the other day, still had to wait outside. And I respect that. Uh, their goal is everyone gets vaccinated before they open back up. And you know, you and I have had that conversation before. It's a hard conversation to have here, right? That brings into a whole nother realm of info. But um, they're choosing not to, but I'm seeing more and more that are, and they're doing it with different strategies. And, you know, it's funny, but like from a at the, full transparency, I'm not a mental health professional, guys, in case, in case anybody <laughs> wants to hold me to that. Yep. But I feel like we're going through all of these like like this this process right of like letting you know last year we had to let go of things that were very important to us and then we've kind of come into an adjustment phase and now we're having to kind of come out of that and I think there really is some um, mourning of things that have had to happen there's exhaustion around change and now here we are going back to um, in a lot of ways opening but not fully opening and so now there's another new system and so it's letting in the one clinic at a time or the one client at a time that they're seeing is is what I'm seeing the most um, so that there's only like the client the pet and the staff in the, in the building at the same time and yeah. again new challenges new adjustments and while every one of these operations and processes are the best that you can come up with at the time, it is mentally exhausting for change. It is emotionally exhausting to have to deal with it all day, every day. And I think our teams are just really just, oh, man, I think they're tired, they're working hard, and they're trying so hard. But it has been one crazy year for them. Yeah, and Becky, that's a really good point. I, I want to repeat to the viewfinders, and maybe this change fatigue is what's really causing most of the frustration and, and tension that we're experiencing. Because you're right, it's it's just ping ponging back and forth, you know, from one thing to the other, and now we're kind of going back to this new hybrid thing that's more like the old thing than the new thing, but it's still a different thing, and that different thing means I have to change something. So there's a lot of a lot of things in there, but I think you get what I'm saying, viewfinders. The fact is that we're just constantly 
constantly in this state of change. And we are creatures of habit. In fact, you know, that's one of the things that leads to efficiencies in the clinic. It allows me to be a better practitioner. It allows Becky to be a better vet tech, right? I mean, these are the things that that when we sort of have a routine uh, and rituals, then we can get really good at them. And every day is like a different thing. So, I, you know, I'd love to know, viewfinders, if you feel fatigue from all the change, if you are sort of ready to figure out one way or the other, like, you know, what's it going to be, guys? Like, you know, get the pandemic. And and then, Becky, I just read a report. There's like a, all these new variants that are just now being recognized. And yeah. everybody's like saying, OK, we've got a lot of things still yet to do. Now, let me get back to the to, to the clinic that you visited now you're saying that they they want to wait until everybody's vaccinated like because I mean what we're hearing in the media at least is that you know wow we may stick at around 60% of the US population being vaccinated and then other people just may be hesitant to go further you know and be vaccinated what what are they I'm sorry I that's so this is a good example of learning how words are important his entire team not okay. the world like so every <laughs> <laughs> I, but it, it's such a good point. I didn't realize how I said that um, it, until his whole team is vaccinated. Um, and, you know, in North Carolina, we weren't essential personnel for a while. Um, and honestly, I'm not really asking. Like, they might just not be ready. Right, um, right. I don't know. I don't, you know, because uh, my girl had her recheck. And you know I love Dr. Zelinsky, Brunswick yeah, Forest yeah. Veterinary Hospital. I shout them out all the time. But, yeah, they're still curbside. And I and I don't care. Um, but I was surprised because I have been hearing more and more clinics are going to. But the last he and I spoke about it, he said, you know, until my entire staff is vaccinated, um, we're, not, we're not opening back up. Now, you and I have had this conversation a few times around just having this conversation because the vaccine issue – Right. It's not mandatory and requiring people to get a vaccine. I'm not saying that's going on in his clinic because I don't know the political stance of if anybody in there does not want to get vaccinated or what that looks like. But um, I mean, we've talked about that a lot to say, like, how are clinics going to deal with, you know, we don't want to open until everyone is vaccinated and safe. What do you do if you have folks on the team who choose not to be or, you know, you've got young folks on the team who are not it's not safe right now for them to be getting the vaccine. There's a lot of questions around it. So um, I, I didn't have the conversation with him and, and it's a very personal conversation I feel like, and I don't want to come across in any way as judgmental, but I think that this is a, a serious stressor for clinics to be dealing with. And I, I, I certainly don't like want to get into the political side of things, believe it or not, but like, <laughs> I'm surprised. I, I can't imagine having to deal with that, like being in a clinic and saying like, I truly do not want to get vaccinated. I don't feel safe. And my whole clinic won't open unless I do, or like what is going on with that behind closed doors inside of clinics and, and the interpersonal tension that could be caused there is just like one more thing we're now dealing with. I'll share an interesting little story that that happened to my wife, Laura, last week. So uh, she's more active on Facebook than I am. I really try to avoid Facebook uh, unless absolutely necessary to get some messages out to you guys. Uh, But anyway, she was on one of the parents types of, you know, groups, things that she's involved with. And one of the parents actually mentioned a veterinarian, and they said that they were changing veterinarians, Becky, because they found out their vet, they went in for like a visit, and uh, I think it was still curbside at the time, and basically the vet said they didn't believe in vaccinations, like the human COVID vaccines. So, so this woman was like, you know, kind of made a little rant about that, 
named the vet. Of course, there was a bunch of people on both sides of that issue on this little thing because, you know, Laura's like, you got to check this out. So, uh, but I would say the majority of people were like, wow, that's, here's what I've took from it. Chiefly, they were saying, wow, that's really surprising that a vet who pushes a bunch of vaccines won't get vaccinated herself. So, you know, yeah. you find yourself, I mean, it's just an interesting little thing that, that Laura ran across. Um, we did not weigh in, just in full honesty here, but you know, it's like, wow, a vet got called out on this. And, um, Laura said that she's seen other things like dentists and pediatricians in this group where they've like said, wow, you know, they are or are not vaccinated against COVID or whatever their opinion may or may not be. Um, and most of it actually had to do with a pediatrician that was really advocating for children to be vaccinated, you know, back before it was officially approved, which of course now we have a couple of vaccines in the U.S. that are approved for children with some parents saying, yes, I want my child vaccinated as soon as it's safe and approved. And others, of course, saying, you know, I will never have my child. It was interesting to see a vet get drawn into this just because, you know, I don't know what happened, but apparently somehow this particular lady asked her vet about the vaccine and the vet then said, nope, not getting vaccinated, don't believe in it. And that really set off, you know, and, and she lost a client. That's the bottom line. Well, yeah, but like ask any veterinary professional, you know, about human medicine and see if they get like a real positive response, right? So I, I, I I get that because I don't trust human medicine nearly as much as I trust veterinary medicine in general. And I almost, I get that now. Don't get me wrong. I am, I'm vaccinated. I am vaccinated and proud and grateful, but I don't have problem with people who don't understand the science or don't feel safe about the science because we are seeing very scary complications and we know that they can happen. They can happen with any vaccine. My question there is like, is that an appropriate conversation to have with a client? Because like you said, you're, you're a medical professional and you're saying, do you have enough time and words in that conversation to make a clear difference between I don't trust vaccines and I don't trust this vaccine, <laughs> right, right. right? Because now you're basically saying, I don't trust medicine and science, although I practice it. Right, um, right. And I've had very much the same conversation with my sister who is not currently vaccinated and does not listen to this podcast, so I can I can call her out. Um, <laughs> just my mom. Hi, mom. Um, oh, <laughs> as we've hello. learned over the years. Um, but, you know... I, I had a long conversation with her about the origins of this vaccine and that it is ha it has been around a lot longer than people think it has been as remdesivir um, vaccine. So it's been a different conversation. But, you know, you and I have had this conversation in the past. Like, should we even be getting into that kind of conversation with our clients and, and getting that personal? That's pretty intense. Right. And, and again, what I thought was interesting from the comments were that a lot of the people were saying, well, does this vet recommend vaccinating their dogs? If right. not, they need to stop. You know, it's, it was a kind of a really interesting, you know, position to take on that. So, yeah, just fascinating out there. Viewfinders, I'd love to know if you've encountered this kind of discussion going on out there or whatever. Uh, you know, honestly, it, it's one of those areas, like Becky said, that it's kind of tricky. I'm guessing this, this client casually said, you know, hey, I bet you're excited about getting vaccinated so you can reopen. And I guess that's what set it off. I don't know. Uh, again, you know, maybe sometimes it's better just to politely say, uh-huh, and move on with your yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> because this this costs them a client and who knows, it may cost them multiple clients. I don't know who all is involved in this little Facebook group, but you know, Becky, that's the kind of stuff you just, that just doesn't build a business if you ask me. Oh, 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yep, <laughs> that's, wish politics in general are probably not a way to build a business, we know that, you know, <laughs> right. but the, the thing about it is, we, how do you, how do you not be transparent, how do you not be who you are, right, and then, and then stay professional, I agree, there's not enough information to that story, right, my first thought was, does this veterinarian not believe in vaccines at all? And, and okay, so then let's talk about that. What about our holistic teams? What about those that are, of course, right. supportive of Western medicine, but also primary Eastern medicine or a, a, a marrying of the two? And overall, it is just starting a very different conversation. And we've had this talk a, a several times about more informed populations coming into our clinics, right? Like like the younger generations are more informed when they walk through our doors and they want more information while they're sitting there. They want other resources they want to read. They want tactile didactic educations around their pets, their kids, their everything, because that's the generation that's up and coming. Well, we have to, one, be prepared for that, of course, right, and help them, but two, be prepared to have these conversations as things change because now when it comes to vaccines in general, we are going to have a different educated population. We have a group of people who are triggered by the word vaccine one way or another now, and and we are going to fight this going forward when it comes to just boosters. I believe that. Yeah, I think you're right, Becky. And I think this is also a good opportunity maybe to train your team in how to answer that question because yeah. I think it may come at you a little more frequently than you might expect. Uh, and so maybe it wouldn't hurt to sit down with your team and say, hey, if a client comes in and starts you know, asking about vaccines or whatever, here's a polite way to sort of pivot that conversation away from it. You know, you can answer it truthfully. And of course, I, I think you always should, but you may not want to, as, as we just described in this other example, you know, spark a debate and and that just may not benefit you because we're there to take care of dogs and cats and other animals we're not there to really try to convince you or not to be vaccinated against COVID-19 yeah right so I, th I think if I were you right now viewfinders I would probably consider talking to my team about how to deal with this if it comes up because I think it's going to come up a little more frequently and, and one other thing too Becky as we sort of come back into this you know resuming somewhat normalcy you know what about like uh, travel and vacations I mean are you hearing a lot of vet techs that are eager to get on the road or get on a plane go go travel do vacation are you hearing that so as we know VMX is coming on up and all all of those folks who are dying to go to, to Florida in June are packing their bags and heading out and excited to do so. Um, I myself have booked a vacation for the end of June. I'm going to be traveling. My tickets and trips are starting to pour back in, as I'm sure yours are. So I am seeing a lot of that. Unfortunately, I think the majority of support staff are still drowning in schedules, clients, patients, understaffed, overwhelmed, and a vacation is the last thing that's on their mind, unfortunately. And I am going to advocate, as I always do, for using that vacation time, using that personal time, not feeling guilty. I see you guys on your Facebook posts. I feel bad I called in today. I feel bad I need a day off. You guys got to fill your own cups. So I will say, unfortunately, Dr. Ernie, most of my colleagues are not because they are still drowning in five to six hour ER wait times, appointments booked out for four, five, six weeks, and no end in sight. 
Yeah, you know, uh, in my opening shots column for today's uh, veterinary business, uh, the NABC magazine, I got a, a question this past uh, issue, so it's going to be in the upcoming issue in a couple of weeks, uh, about that exact topic where, you know, a vet was saying, hey, you know, all, due to the pandemic, I couldn't take a time off. Now I need to take time off, but everybody's giving me a hard time for asking to take time off because, yep. like you said, we're still de- dealing with this backlog of, of demand. And, and so viewfinders, are you encountering that type of pressure and guilt as well because you know here it is we haven't been able to travel or take a vacation with our family or even see friends uh, for quite some time and now that we can it's like oh wait a second work is dragging me back you know and and look that we all have responsibilities in our professional lives I totally understand that but you know again Becky are we creating this tremendous amount of guilt around taking time off that's actually now encouraging more poor self-care and mental health. I mean, I you know how I feel about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, there is nothing more triggering than must be nice. If you say those words to anyone around you, please excuse yourself from the room. Go look yourself in the mirror and have a conversation because that is rude. It is unsupportive. It is unfair. And it's your problem, not th- theirs. So it, if you think it must be nice, then you better find a way to make it work for you in their life or certainly not make somebody feel bad that they've done it in theirs. Um, I am so discouraged. And, I, and I've said this to you before, too. We've talked about it. There are a couple clinics I see out there that have said, we are shutting down for an entire week. Yes, we have clients. Yes, we have stuff. Yes, it's hard. But our staff needs it. And there's no other way for them to get it. Now, I don't think they're getting paid. I don't know. I don't have the details there. But I can say I've seen more than one person say that their clinic's just shutting down because they don't have the staff to run short-staffed, so they have to literally just shut down. Um, You guys, this is scary stuff, right? Like, we are short-staffed. We are overworked. There is no relief. We we aren't a a pizza joint that can just say, hey, we're cutting back our delivery area tonight and and we're running a little short staff. You got to come in for pickup. This is health, right? Um, But you guys have got to look at your schedules. You've got to look at your people. Finances cannot be the bottom line. And if you guys are running so, I'm sorry, but if you're running so tight, if you cannot take care of your employees in order to keep your doors open, maybe you need to evaluate if your doors need to be open because you are doing it on the backs of your staff. Yep. Yep. That is true. You know, I had a a friend of mine reach out to me and uh, she has a small clinic and, uh, you know, probably about six total staff. You know, it's one one vet clinic, you know, small, small clinic. And basically they haven't had any time off, you know, like everybody else during the pandemic. Right. So anyway, what I thought was remarkable, she reached out to me and she said, is this a good idea? To which you will see why I said, absolutely do it now. She said, look, we're going to have emergency coverage starting Friday morning or Friday at noon, I'm sorry, of the Memorial Day weekend. I'm thinking about closing my whole clinic from then until uh, until Tuesday. And I was like, absolutely do that, you know? And, and right. So she just, she shut down again, small clinic. And so, you know, I'm sure many of our viewfinders, if you brought this up to your boss or your manager, or you're thinking yourself, well, that must be nice. They can do it. It's a small clinic. But the reality is just like Becky said, I mean, you know, whether or not that particular strategy would work for you closing down, 
what can you do? Because I thought that what, what I liked about her reaching out to me, because she was worried about the economics of it, to be honest, you know, she was worried about how this would be viewed by her clients. And so we kind of did a strategy where she d- did like three or four different social media posts in the week uh, leading up to this, well, actually two weeks prior to, she said, hey, we're going to be closed. We're going to be closed. We're going to be closed, right? You know, it's a, that's that's all you can do, really. And um, at the end of the day, what I liked most about her her belief in this was she was trying to take care of the mental health of her staff. She she knew she could, and, and Becky, they were not getting paid. So this was, they they talked to the team. They said, hey, here's what we can do. We can close down for Memorial Day weekend. Can't pay you, you know, but, but if you want to take it off and they took a vote and the vast majority, if not everybody in that clinic apparently said, I want to close and they're taking a long weekend. And I say, good for them. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I wish everybody could. And again, I guess my thing I've been right since the day I've been married, I love to say, is if you aren't able to do that, you got to look at how you're running your business. Because number one, you should not be in that emergency status all of the time. And two, you really got to look at what this is going to do for your bottom line, your longevity, your staff, the morale, everything. You've got to... And, and again, these clinics planned it a solid month out ahead. It wasn't like they said, hey, guess next week we're going to just shut down. They had to plan it out and block it out. But if it's not happening, and like you guys just got to get creative. You got to get your team some time and you've got to get some regroup going on. I don't know if that means a week of half days. I don't know if it means all relief staff for you. Dr. Ernie loves to answer these questions. You guys hit him up. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know, truthfully, you guys, there's creativity and you got to put your teams first because um, there aren't enough of us out there right now. We are all burning out and, and it has been one heck of a year outside of just what's going on inside the clinic, right? That inside those doors we've been dealing with, but please keep in mind everything that your teams are dealing with outside of your doors that you may not even realize. Boy, that is a great, great point. And viewfinders, I mean, that's really what this whole conversation was about today. There's a lot of change, a lot of pressures, a lot of things just coming at us from every direction. And sometimes we do focus too much on the four walls of our clinics and forget that there's a whole life extending beyond them. And we need to take that into account too. So again, whatever you're doing out there, viewfinders, we hope that this holiday weekend when we're recording this. Actually, it's on the holiday itself, on the Monday Memorial Day. But regardless, we hope that you've had a little bit of time to take a step back, reflect on kind of what you've got going on in your life and maybe how you can make it a little better. And if you want to share some of those thoughts with us, definitely hit us up on Instagram at The Veterinary Viewfinder, on Facebook, Veterinary Viewfinder. And you can always do a tweet thing on Vet Viewfinder. (laughs) Over on Twitter, where Becky loves to monitor the conversation over there. Always, you know, I tweet, I tweet, I tweet away. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, also, we ask you all the time. It really, truly does mean a whole lot to us. Click that subscribe button. It's one of the number one ways that uh, the algorithm boosts our podcast up for other people to find when they're searching it. And if you've got a few minutes to leave some stars and a couple words, we really do appreciate hearing back from you guys. It is Memorial Day, so we you know, want to thank um, those that gave all and appreciate the time that we get today to reflect on those who paid the ultimate price. Yeah, we sure do. Memorial Day is a very special celebration for our country because without their sacrifice, viewfinders, honestly, this podcast probably wouldn't exist in this format because we have freedoms that we are so, so grateful for. And sometimes we take it for granted. So we don't want you to take it for granted. And we certainly don't. So until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.